there are a percentage of people out there who are mean, who are ill-intentioned, who have, you know, psychological issues, who are dysfunctional, who might even be sociopathic, and they're out there, and we have to know how to deal with them. And a lot of them are our bosses, I'm afraid. People who get positions of power can often be the most manipulative of all. No one's helping anybody how to deal with that. So I write a book back in 1998. I compare it it's to, it's like a straight shot of whiskey. I'm not putting any water in it. There are not even ice cubes in it. It's just straight. <laughs> I'm giving it to you the way it really is, right? It's the, it's the actual form of what life is like, you know? This is what the boss will be doing behind closed doors when he's not, you're not seeing any of this, but this is how people operate. And I think for a lot of young people who maybe in our culture have, have kind of adopted sort of naive notions about life and about people, it's kind of a slap in the face. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Tafis. Chris, the star of the show, baby. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back. Welcome back. And I am beyond excited about yes. bringing on a, a roommate who has been here for quite a long time. And I'm excited about introducing him to our brand new audience. Before we do that, we have to shout out our amazing sponsors over at Short Form. Guys, this new roommate is a guy who is an amazing author who wrote many books that have revolutionized and changed my life as well as the life of a lot of men. And it's so important as a young man that you educate your mind and you read books. But I know some of you guys may not have the time to read all the books that you want. And some of you guys also love book summaries before you enter into reading a new book, which is why we partner with Short Form. And Short Form is book summaries on steroids that give you guys a great foundation of understanding amazing books. Um, our new roommates, Signature book is on there, so yep. definitely, if you have not read his book and you want to get an understanding after this episode, go ahead and check that out on Shortform. Go to shortform.com slash roommates and you can get a discount code on top of the discount Shortform already provided for us. Guys, readers are leaders, and I want every man to tap into Shortform because they have a vast library of books as well as articles. And... I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, short form is amazing. Like it's, it's really is 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 a library of all these books that we have been recommending that you can really go and get all the things that you need with this good detailed summary. They even have places where you can write different answers in so you can take notes as well. I'm telling you, you want to take advantage of short form because it's built for people to gain knowledge as quickly as possible. I love it. So go to shortform.com slash roommates and sign up. And without further ado, please welcome back the master of seduction, the master <laughs> of power, the master of human nature, the one and only Robert Green. Woo -woo! Thanks for having me, guys. My <laughs> Robert, it's good to see you. How have you been? I've been fine. I've been fine. You know, uh, my life has pretty much always been kind of quarantining. When you're a writer, you're always in your office working. So COVID didn't affect me that much because I really hardly ever go out. You know, it's just that. So um, I've been fine, you know, just still recovering from my stroke and getting, trying to get back into being able to walk. But everything's going well, writing a new book. 
Another one. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Been working on it. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is what is this new one about? Well, um, did you get a copy of the of the Daily Laws? Yep. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, in the month of December, I kind of have excerpts from the new book from the first two chapters. Um, it's a, the title of it is called "The Law of the Sublime," and if you told me about that, yeah, if you huh, you told me about it last time. Last time we were, uh, I was at your house. We were talking about it, and you were telling me about the idea. But please explain it to the people. Well, it, the the last chapter of the fiftieth law, the book that I did with Fifty Cent was kind of about that it was confronting your mortality and I call that the sublime. It's also the last chapter of the laws of human nature. And basically, um, I'm trying to open your, I'm trying to expand your mind to this idea that there's so much more in this cosmos that we live in on this planet, in this world, in this society, that's just so utterly mind blowing that if you, if you think about it, it'll kind of instantly elevate your spirits and put you on a whole nother level of thinking and creativity. And it's what I call the sublime. And essentially, the way I describe it is, um, we humans operate in what I call, I call a circle. And in that circle, those are all the codes and rules that we're supposed to abide by. And in throughout history, you know, those rules have changed. It's not the same as it was in ancient Egypt as it is now, but there's always that circle. These are the kinds of this is the behavior that makes you socially acceptable. These are the thoughts and ideas that are part of our culture. And I maintain that the moment you put limits on human beings, we're interested in what lies beyond those limits. We're interested in what goes outside of that circle. We're interested in thoughts that are kind of transgressive, that have nothing to do with what we're supposed to think, with behavior we're supposed to do. And whatever goes outside of that circle is what I call the sublime. Because it opens your mind and your spirit to other possibilities, ways of existing, other ways that our society could be organized, other ways of thinking, other ways of writing, of creating. And that's, to me, the lifeblood of being a human is kind of continually expanding. So this is a book that examines that. And I'm trying to really, really have an effect on your daily life. I'm examining it from the point of view of ancient history, of evolution, I just wrote a book, uh, sorry, a book, a chapter on childhood, how, how different our brains were when we were children and how we've kind of become sort of rigid in our thinking and how we have to go back in some ways to our childhood. So um, it's a book that I want to have a powerful effect on the readers. Not that I don't want that on all of my books, but basically, you know, I nearly, I nearly died about three years ago. I had a stroke that I came very, very close to. This was this was the end of my life. And when something like that happens to you, it changes you. It changes how you think. It changes how you feel about everything. And the changes are mostly positive because it makes you aware of how insanely amazing it is to just be alive, to just live in the world that we live in today. So I have a message that I'm trying to communicate to the reader. Uh, it's kind of like I'm on a mission and... Um, so this is this is the book that I'm writing right now. But but no, I really I really enjoyed what you shared because to me, um, 
what it reminded me of is the journey of, of a king, right? Mm -hmm. And in the journey of the king, he starts off at the beginning as this warrior conquering nations, obsessed with power and, and dominance and hierarchies and, 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 and domination, right? But then eventually that king kind of evolves from this warrior king to more of this sage king who's now more reflecting on mortality, uh, reflecting on the deeper, more meaningful, transcendent things about life. And I kind of see that's kind of the journey that you've been on now with your, your, your later writings. But yeah, that, that is um, something of my journey. You know, um, you get older and things happen to you. And, you know, I still love the 48 Laws of Power. I don't wouldn't change a word of it. And it's a book that still means a lot to me, as well as The Art of Seduction. I think those books are very true. But what's very important, I think, a lesson for all of us in life is that you evolve. I've always been one. You know, the Law 48 and the 48 Laws of Power is appear formless, or assume formlessness, excuse me. And so um, I've always been the idea that power, actually, the ultimate form of power is to be fluid be continually adapting and changing. So I never like to repeat what I've written before. I always try to explore something new, which is why I went off in different directions, why I did a book with 50 Cent, why I explored the human brain and mastery, et cetera, et cetera. So um, yeah, I'm always trying to find a new area to conquer, a new, a new kind of book idea to excite and absorb me because Quite frankly, if I keep writing the same stuff, I myself get bored. And it's important that I'm excited by my ideas, because if I'm excited, then I think the reader will be excited. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely excited, especially um, since... since <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad you can see us. Um, there's been this new documentary on Netflix, and it's really about Kanye when he kind of started his his newfound fame and journey, and then he has a, a near-death experience. And yeah, that near-death experience changed, you know, something inside of him and made his, you know, this new revelation, uh, you know, that he's been uh, having now. And just hearing from your um, experience about what you had went through with the stroke, and now it kind of create this newfound desire to really speak about the book that you're writing, like with that experience, like after it happened, what are some of the things that change the way that you think, the way that you approach life, the way that you wake up in the morning, the way that you, you know, may act and feel? Because I feel like that kind of experience does something to everybody and they're a completely different person. Yeah, well, um, there's there's been many changes. I mean, one of them is I look out now at my window here or when I take up my, I have a bike ride that I go, a special bicycle that I ride out into the hills here. It's like, wow, I'm alive. You know, I'm aware of the fact that I kind of tasted death. It sort of was in my body. I had a physical presence, which is still with me. Very aware of it. But it makes me doubly aware that I'm not, that I'm alive and that it makes me, everything has a different kind of intensity to it. But you, I'm, what I'm writing about in the book and what I've written about before is you don't have to wait for something like that to have that kind of awareness in your own life. You can just bring that awareness into your daily thinking, into your just to realize that you're not immortal, that your life is going to end someday, that life is a lot shorter than you imagine. It's going to creep up on you very quickly. So think about it. Don't turn your back on it, right? The other things are um, 
you know, when you have something like this happen, you become kind of helpless. So I'm somebody that is kind of a type A person, personality, you know. I've always been independent, self-reliant. I like doing things for myself. If there are any obstacles, I like to push through them really hard. And here I was put in this position where I couldn't do any of that. I was helpless. I was dependent on my wife, whom you met that day, who I'm still with. I'm happy to report. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was helpless. I needed her help. So it kind of was humbling, you know. I had to have a degree of humility. I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I have weaknesses. I have to depend on somebody else, which to me, I don't like that feeling, but I had to get used to it. So that was kind of a, you know, uh, I had to make some changes. I had to see my own limitations. Also, I'm not the most patient person in the world. So if ever in the past I've had like a physical ailment, like I hurt my back or something, my mentality is always to get through it, push through it, keep trying, keep exercising, keep doing something. You, that doesn't work with this, right? You know, I go through hours and hours of therapy and I don't really see much improvement. I've had to develop mm. much higher levels of patience with myself and not be so hard on myself as I used to be. So it's still a work in progress. But an experience like that, it's just kind of humbling and it makes you aware of how precious it is to be alive and, and things like that. I didn't know that, that Kanye had something similar. That's interesting. What happened to him? He got into a car crash and uh, he basically had to get like his whole mouth wired shut. His jaw was broken and it just put a lot of things in perspective for him. Well, well, you know, 50 had that. So that was the first time I wrote about that in, in the 50th law. I mean, you know, the guy's shot nine times from that range. You know, a bullet goes right through his jaw like that, lodges in his mouth. He still had teeth with bits of bullets in them. You know, he came this yeah. close to dying. He was in the hospital and you know he, he's like kind of having one of those near-death experiences and when he emerged which is the whole point of the 50th law is man i don't have to be afraid of anything bring it on you know the music industry drops me because of this violence i had a record contract they dropped me i don't care man i'm not afraid of anything once you face death and you come that close to it what is there afraid of? What are you going to take away from me? It gives you a fearless quality of like, if, if, if I can survive that, I can survive anything. And it doesn't really matter. These, it gives you a sense of scale. You know, we go through life and things are so petty. We get angry about things that are so unimportant in the large scheme of things. Mm. You know, with social media, we get caught up in feelings of envy and anger and rage. And some of it's obviously justified. I don't mean to say that's not. But a lot of it isn't. A lot of it's kind of petty and unimportant. And having a sense of your mortality and the fact that you could die tomorrow, it's not guaranteed even if you're young like you two guys are. It could happen tomorrow. So, um, so then you're having this little petty conversation with someone who's trying to rile you up and saying things. In the back of your mind, you're going, man, this doesn't matter. This is so small. This is so small. For I don't really care. Why should I care about this shit? Because... Tomorrow I might not even be here. So that's another kind of calming influence that it has on it. And I saw that in 50 because he's an incredibly calm person, right? In the midst of some kind of crisis where everyone's kind of running around like chickens with their head cut off, he was completely calm, like he had this kind of Zen presence. 
And that's what kind of a near-death experience will do to you. Wow. So, you know, it's so it's so fascinating where it, it appears to me where it's kind of like the first half of your life was all about teaching people how to attain power and teaching and people love your books because they feel powerless and you've given them a blueprint and a pathway to achieve power. And then God's thing, all of a sudden God was like, well, I'm gonna teach him a different lesson. And he allowed <laughs> this experience to happen. And then now with the, you know, the art of the sublime, what, what I'm hearing is that now it's all about, okay, now I'm actually powerless. And because I'm powerless, here's all the lessons I learn about life and nature. And there's, and there's, and there's this beautiful um, dark side of the moon that you're kind of tapping into about a, 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 a place not explored by many men. Because I think what happens is so many men are on the other side where they're so consumed with achieving power. So I want to I get to that point, but I want to I stay here for a bit because... I feel as though everything you're describing is so meaningful and so valuable, but there's so many men today, especially young men, who feel powerless. And so what are some of the things, I mean, you've probably heard so many different people who've shared about how the book have impacted your, their lives, but why do you think there's a lot of individuals who are so drawn to your book and why are these people feeling so powerless in their everyday lives? Well, we li we're living through very chaotic, troubling times. So, um, you know, I contrast, I I'm already um, 60 years old, so I've come from a different generation, but I contrast how I was raised with my father, um, you know, and, and it was very kind of clear about a path in life and you know he was he was a very good father and all and so you know i was raised well i had a good role model and i entered a world kind of with a sense of groundedness about who i am i i certainly was lost and roaming around in my 20s i had many different jobs and i had moments of depression but i always had a sense of who i was and i have deep empathy for young men who are now entering into their early 20s who don't have what I have because this world is so damn chaotic and confusing. You think with your phone and technology that you can go anywhere, that you can do anything. It gives you all these possibilities and you get lost in that. There's like too much. Like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to structure my day? People give me all this information on the internet and social media, but they don't teach me how to deal with my day-to-day -day life how to structure myself, how to structure my time, how to give my life a sense of form and organize my ideas, etc. So you're lost. You're completely lost. We throw people out into the world and the work world has become much more competitive and, you know, much, much kind of merciless, you know, and we don't give them any clues. And you're not going to get it from your parents because your parents aren't really, they don't really know what to say. Your teachers don't. And, you know, so it's a very confusing time. And on top of it, we're inculcated with these values that say, you know, everyone must get along. We're all so wonderful. We're angelic people. It's all about cooperating and doing all these positive things, which are good values. I don't denigrate them. But that's not the work world. That's not the reality. That's not the reality in the music industry. That's not the reality in Hollywood. It's not the reality in blue collar jobs. It's not that way in any kind of form of life. 
people could there are a percentage of people out there who are mean who are ill-intentioned who have you know psychological issues who are dysfunctional who might even be sociopathic and they're out there and we have to know how to deal with them and a lot of them are our bosses i'm afraid people who get positions of power can often be the most manipulative of all no one's helping anybody how to deal with that so i write a book back in 1998 that i compare it to it's like a straight shot of whiskey I'm not putting any water in it. There are not even ice cubes in it. It's just straight. <laughs> I'm giving it to you the way it really is, right? It's the it's the actual form of what life is like, you know. This is what the boss will be doing behind closed doors when he's not this you're not seeing any of this, but this is how people operate. And I think for a lot of young people who maybe in our culture have have kind of adopted sort of naive notions about life and about people. It's kind of a slap in the face. Whoa, this is what the world is like. Yeah, actually, it is a bit like that. And I think the strong, the strength of it, of the book, and the and the directness and the honesty of it, is very helpful to people. So I think that's sort of why a lot of young men, and I have to admit, the majority of the readers, particularly of my first three books, are young men between eighteen and twenty-five. I think that's why they're attracted to it. Yo, what's good everybody? We're gonna take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years in the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, on the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives Gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me, you'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, I think that I think that's the exact reason why, because that they looking for answers, and we know that the knowledge that you give us in those books leads to a lot of wisdom. And these guys, you know, I feel like there's a part of the community that do read the books, that have been watching the videos that we recommend, that have been reading the books that we recommend, but they're still having that that lack of faith or they haven't still made that step because there's still social media. Like you said, there's still so much information out there that they're still not walking or taking a, a, a one direction. So to that guy... If the, all the noise is in their ear, what should he do? Well, you know, you have to understand if you really want to succeed in this world, if you're tired of being unhappy, if you're tired of your life going nowhere, you have to understand some basic things. You have to open yourself up to real knowledge, right? You have to say, you have to have a, a, a moment of, of Jesus here where you come, where you say to yourself, I don't know anything. This world is confusing. I need help. Okay? Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom because you could read my books and you can read any book, but it won't really change you unless you want to change, 
unless you feel a bit of a desperation and a need for it, okay? So you have to have that kind of within you. And then you have to realize that the most important thing in life, I tell people, and I've learned this over the course of writing all these books, is your degree of self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be have the power to look at yourself and criticize yourself and understand your limitations, understand who you are, understand what you love, understand what you're good for, good at, right? What you were intended to do, what I call your life's task in mastery, right? But the problem with the world we live in today and social media, and believe me, I'm not, not everything is negative because there's some good things about social media. I'm here with you guys today on it. So, you know, it's not all bad. But the bad thing is you, you lose contact with who you are. You're always so involved in other people's lives and their and all the great women they're dating and all the great holidays they're taking, all the great albums they're cutting, etc. And you feel envy and you feel like, ah, oh, that, that's not, you know, I wish I had that. Or you're always involved in what other people think is cool, etc. And you lose touch with yourself, right? So the people who have power in this world who will truly succeed are unique. They're different. They're not afraid of being different. They're not afraid of what I call their own weirdness, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, but you find it very hard to, to reach that point because you're, you're almost ashamed of what makes you different. You want to be like everybody else. So the self-awareness is of A, your limitations, the things that you need to work on, the things that aren't necessarily help, that are kind of holding you back, and B, awareing of your strengths, of what makes you different, of what makes you unique, of why you were born. You know, when you were born... There's a reason for it. And I'm not saying that in some kind of Pollyannish Hallmark card type of way. Mm -hmm. There is a reason. Your, your DNA, everything about you is unique. There's never been anybody else like you on the planet, right? You have a purpose. That purpose is to bring out what makes you different, right? And so you need to connect to that. And so you have to, it's almost like swimming against the current, you know, living in the world today. It's like you're in a river and the current is coming at you. And if you don't like get control of yourself, it's just gonna carry you, it's just gonna carry you back to someplace you don't know. You have to swim against the, these times that we live in, and you have to build these kind of inner strengths that I'm talking about. And that kind of self-awareness is not easy. It's a difficult process because look at yourself in your day-to-day -day life. Every time something happens, every time somebody writes some text or some email or something, you get all angry and upset or whatever, or you get all excited. You're in the moment. You're continually in the moment. You're continually getting emotional. To step back and go, wait a minute. Do I need to, do I need to be so excited? Do I need to be so angry? Do I need to feel this way? It's not easy. It's not natural. These are skills that you have to develop. And so... I can't remember what your original question is. I'm sorry, I've already forgotten it. But that's like what I'm trying to teach in my books and I think is the most important quality that you can have in 2022 if you're a young person, a degree of distance from yourself and the ability to analyze your own life. No, I absolutely love that. And I, and I think to me, one of the reasons why I love authors so much is because authors are so introspective. Um, authors take a lot of time to dive deep into their thoughts. And what I've realized is that so many people in today's world, because of just TV and video games and social media, like people are afraid of the silence. 
And I just believe in times of old with all the great philosophers and thought leaders, they, they spend a lot of time in the silence to be able to first understand what they're believing as individuals, which goes to that self-awareness piece. Because what I really enjoy, um, even from our last conversation, and, and, and as I continue to read more of your works, is that I, I enjoy that, that, that shot of whiskey that you're describing. Because what happens is that, you know, there, there are people in this world who have that radical ability to go left when everyone wants to go right and go right where everybody wants to go left. And those are usually the people in the power positions who, who tend to dominate other individuals. So that's why it's so important that men read books like yours and to be able to learn these skills to be able to combat and be prepared for this world. Because I think going back to your, your ocean example, because what happens is the current takes you to somewhere you don't want to be and then you also become someone that you not you you you, you don't want to become, and so now so many men are, are 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 frustrated and they feel like they're they're being drawn and tossed to and fro by other people who are dictating how they live their lives, and that causes them to feel so powerless. Yeah, yeah, it's also confusing time for men as well because, you know, quite frankly, our role in the world seems to be changing in some ways and sometimes we're not so comfortable with that because physiologically we have our aggressive impulses right and we're often told that that's that's not a good trait to have in our society and so you know the the idea of what it means to be a man of what are the virtues of, of being a man are not discussed anymore it's almost like a dirty word right it's almost like power is a dirty word it's almost like masculinity or being a man is like a, something dirty we can't talk about it you know but there are virtues that men should aspire to that have been kind of timeless you know but they're not taught anymore so it's a very very confusing time i think for men particularly in, in our culture today so besides self-awareness what would you say one of those timeless virtues that you've read about that you've seen in all the great leaders that you've written about and investigated that you believe is extremely important that young men develop today? Well, there's a degree of, of courage of, mm -hmm. of not being afraid of taking risks of kind of enjoying taking risks and not being so timid and having an explore what I call an adventurous or explorer spirit in life. You know, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I don't know if this is cliched or not, but if you go back thousands of years when we were primarily like hunters, hunter gatherers, and the, the, the tribe, the clans depended on our hunting ability, you know, these kind of skills of being brave and facing danger were, you know, part of our survival. And it's why we're even here today. These are positive things, right? And yet I look at so many men in public eye who supposedly are masculine and very tough but you inside they're like paper tigers there's they're all they're soft they're like have a marshmallow interior and i'm talking mm -hmm. about people like i'll get in trouble for this but someone like a trump you know he's also blustering and bravado but he can't stand the slightest bit of criticism he has mm -hmm. to only be in front of people who adore him that's not being a man that's not that's weakness 
being a man means I can stand people criticizing me. I can stand people on YouTube saying the nastiest things about Robert Greene. I don't care. I can read it. It doesn't matter to me. I, I, have, I have a strong, I have a thick skin. I can take it, right? You know, you look at somebody, you look right now, the war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine, something I feel very involved in because my ancestors my, on my mother's side are from Ukraine, and I was there a couple of years ago. You've got Putin, this man who's so ultra macho, masculine, you know, he does judo, etc. He's not at all like, he's not at all brave or strong. He's not facing bullets. He's not facing the public. He wants, he has to tamp down anybody who disagrees with you. But being a man means I can take criticism. I can stand people who, are, who disagree with me. I can stand up to that, right? It's inner strength. It's not outer bluster and bullshit. It's something inside. Like mm -hmm. I can say calm in the midst of a stressful situation. I don't lose my head. I don't panic. I've got this inner kind of anchor in me in the moment. These are values that, as I say, are traditionally, you know, masculine and they're, they're kind of degraded. Now, there, I don't deny that there are toxic qualities that some that could be associated with masculinity, a kind of a violence. But the, the thing I'm talking about is a degree of self-control. So I think of, of a man who has no self-control, but who's violent and aggressive, that they're actually very weak inside, right? If you can't control yourself, if you can't control your emotions, you can't control anything. It's a sign of there's nothing inside of you. There's nothing, there's no kind of firmness in there. You know, I compare it to like, there's a, a thing in, when they talk about in engineering with metal, it's kind of a tensile quality. So metal that can't give a little bit, that's so tough and rigid is the kind of metal that will snap and break. And you don't want it on your bridges, etc. You want a metal uh, that, is, that is strong, but can give that has a quality of giving and adapting to, you know, earthquakes or to whatever it is. You want that quality inside where you're strong, that you're adaptive, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I could, I could write a whole book about these, this thing, and maybe someday I will, but those are some of the things that I think are, I think are important for, for men to, to go back on and realize that these are parts of our, our strengths, you know. No, a hundred percent. I loved everything you said. You know, especially about men being, you know, courageous, men going out to explore, men having self control, self awareness. You know, with the society that we have today, a lot of these young men um, are looking for this kind of advice online, or they are looking for this from some kind of video. They don't have older brothers or older men or even you know older mentors around them to kind of teach them these things. So my question to you, how are, they, how are they able to identify what is a true, real man? Because, you know, it's easy to put the facade on online that probably most of these guys are following. But even though these guys behind closed doors are probably soft as cotton. Well, um, it's sort of what I was just talking about. You know, you, you, you mean like who, who, who can you trust out there sort of thing or? Yeah, yeah, I think because I think that's what a lot of these young men are lacking. They they don't have a lot of social outside experience with the world because they are always on their phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I don't know. As I said, I have a lot of um, empathy for people growing up now because there really aren't voices out there. I mean, I know a lot of young men are attracted to someone like Jordan Peterson 
who has a huge following of young men among young men. And he has some, I was on his show recently, it'll be airing in a couple weeks, and he has some very positive things, you know, some good role modeling for young men. You know, I, I just think there's, there's certain qualities that if you, you know them intuitively, right? Because you are a man and because you, you do feel it inside, you know these things, you know that it's a good quality to be brave, to have inner strength. Another thing that I would add to that, which I think is missing a lot, is to always begin with a genuine respect for women, to don't have this kind of um, out, this kind of disrespectful viewpoint of women in general, which I think is very false and leads to all kinds of very um, dysfunctional behavior. You begin from a position of genuine respect, which is something that you know I, I got from my own father as well. You know, so, but, um, and it's not to say that these qualities are only men because they're, they're, they're virtues that many women have, but these are things that are kind of lost. And so just sort of question yourself and look at what the kind of people that you really admire, you know? So I, I'm, I like sports a lot. I'm, I'm a huge basketball fan. I'm a basketball junkie, right? I have a lot of people I know in the NBA and, LeBron or Michael, Robert? LeBron or Michael? Who do you got? Oh, Michael. Ah. <laughs> that was easy. But you know, LeBron's great. He's amazing. But you know, he's on the he's on the downside of his career, so it's a little bit prejudiced. If he were on the Lakers ten years ago, I might have changed my mind. But there's never okay. been anybody like Michael Jordan. That guy was like from another planet. I don't know. He's, <laughs> and you're talking about somebody who loves Kobe Bryant, you know, the Michael Jordan 2, 2.0, whatever. Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, Michael's is in his own. But there are certain athletes that have these qualities. There are people out there that you can admire, right? You know, and so um, I, I think to me, like Kobe had a lot of those qualities. Very disciplined, right? You know, he knew that you can't just get ahead in life just on your talent, just on your self-belief. You have to work really, really hard. Nobody worked harder than Kobe, right? And you have to be tough and you have to be strong under stress, you know? So uh, to me, like a, a good leader, and if we talk about this in, in, in men, is someone when the times get tough, they don't wilt like a flower, you know? They, they can withstand it. They don't get all emotional. They have, they can retreat inside and they can, they can kind of emanate this sort of inner strength, which is what we're seeing a little bit from the president of the Ukraine right now, right? And something that I saw in 50, um, not to compare the two because 50 wasn't like kind of leading a country, but still mm -hmm. I saw him when, um, you know, terrible things were happening in his company and he didn't get all upset and emotional and cry and blame people. That's a weakness in, in, in a man is to always blame other people. He took responsibility. He does what I call leading from the front, which is something you want a leader to be. So what do we see in the president of the Ukraine? He's risking his life for his country. How many, can you imagine a president of the United States or anyone else actually risking their own life for their country? That is, that is true bravery. That is incredibly admirable. So what I say to young men is there are people out there like that in our culture who are kind of embodying these things, 
look at them and study them and admire them and imitate them to some degree. A lot of them will be in sports and I, you know, whoever it is that you admire like that. You know, I like people, athletes, who have the kind of the mental game down, who are strong psychologically. That was Michael Jordan's advantage always. It wasn't just his incredible athleticism. He had yeah. a mentality, man, that was just so tough, right? So look at these kinds of qualities in culture or in, in hip-hop artists or in politicians. There are not many politicians around that I would say that about because they're generally not people I totally, I really admire. But there are icons in our culture. Find them, study them, and, and, and see them as, you may not have had that role model in your house, but find them in the culture and they can, they can help guide you. No, I love that. To me, I always say when I'm watching sports, all I care about is the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. Like I don't care about the I don't care about the beginning. I don't care about the third quarter stats. I want to see who are you, especially with quarterbacks. If I'm grading quarterbacks, all I want to see is third down footage and five minutes, last five in the fourth quarter. That's me. But who's but, your favorite quarterback? Listen, I'm a Packers fan, <laughs> but hands down, with, without a shadow of a doubt. I have to give it to Tom Brady. I have like I have to give it to Tom Brady because Aaron Rodgers, and all due respect, if you're watching this episode, um, I, I I gotta keep it 100. I when I saw Aaron Rodgers this postseason mm. have the ball on in first and ten, down by was it were they down by four or they, they was they was within they, the score. If he that. scored, we win the game. Yes, it's over. And for him to go. You said, yes, yeah, it's a 49er game. I freaking hate the 49ers. <laughs> well, I hate the they beat us every too. time. I'm a Ram oh fan. My God. I hate God. the 49ers. Oh, listen. I can't, I'm, a Pac, I'm a Packer can't fan as well. I grew up a Packer listen. fan. Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Huh? Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. I'd go with Aaron Rodgers. I've never seen oh, Aaron Rodgers in his prime is just is unbelievable. He's a different man. Uh, listen, I agree with you. Favre, in in my opinion, before he started throwing all those picks and later on in his career, prime Favre, I I feel confident in the fourth quarter. Aaron, I don't feel I don't I don't feel confident in in Aaron taking the team to the champion. I don't feel confident in him in the NFC Championship game. So to me, I judge you off of what are you doing in high conflict situations. I saw what Favre did. I saw what Aaron did, and I gotta and I gotta give the leg up to Brett Favre. But that's just me. That's just me. All right. Well, we disagree on that because I like. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 something while you were talking, something you talked about respecting women, and I and it and it triggered an idea in my head because. One of the things that I see interconnected in your conversation is human nature, um, seduction, and power. And I want to ask you a question before I, I, I ask you the real question. In your opinion, are most people having good, uh, good intentions and occasionally do bad things, or do most people have bad intentions and occasionally do good things from your research and your opinion? Well, a lot of it's my own experience as well and from my research. I would say that most people have genuinely good intentions, right? And then occasionally they misstep. 
Um, and, you know, but I make the point in, in the laws of human nature that all of us have a dark side. All of us have dark emotions. We feel envy. We feel we're, we're self-absorbed. You know, we all have the potential for bad behavior. And if you realize that, then maybe you don't feel like you're so superior to everybody else. Because the one quality I hate most in people is a sense of moral superiority. Like, I'm so much better than you that, you know, I don't even need to even think about, about that I might be wrong because I'm always right. I hate that quality more than anything. But mm. so there are most people I think have basically good intentions. They, they don't want to hurt other people. They have a degree of empathy. They can be a lot better. They can improve all of it, but they generally have good. But then there's a percentage of people, I would say maybe 5%, who I would flip that around. It might even be more than 5%. It might be 10%. <laughs> who I'd flip that around, who have mostly bad intentions. They're not always bad, but and they have moments where they can be empathetic. But they generally are so self-absorbed. They just want things for themselves. They can't get out of their own skin. They're only in it's what's in it for me kind of thing. But that's how I would, that's my opinion on that. I mean, it's just subjective. No, I, I love it. And, and I and I agree to that. And, and you would say that men and women, 90% of them have good intentions and occasionally do bad things. And that's true for men and women alike, correct? Sure. Yeah. And so so what I what I've noticed is that there is a a growing community of men who feel very powerless in all areas of life, especially when it comes to um, women and relationships. And these men feel very powerless because, in my opinion, their perception of human nature kind of creates this um this hammer and nail philosophy between men and women where one person's either getting either the hammer or another person's the nail. And so what I see these guys oftentimes do is they uh, will take like the art of seduction and then they will use your books and your, and your readings and they will use it so that they can now be the hammer because they don't want to be the nail. So they come into a lot of relationships with women with a very cynicist, um, a pessimistic perspective, and they try to use these these rules that you're that you're giving to benefit society, and they're using it because they believe the other person is trying to hurt them, and they want to hurt them before they get hurt themselves. Th does that make any sense? Have you seen things like that? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That that rings very true to me. I think that's very much part of human psychology. You know, a lot of times what you'll find is in relationships that a person who um, who's had a lot of different relationships, they can't have one that lasts more than a year or two, that they're always kind of break. They're the one that's breaking up. The reason they break a, a relationship off is they don't want to be the one that's being broken, have the other person break them off because it's too painful for them. They want that that power even though it's making them miserable, even though it means they can never have any kind of fulfilling relationship in life. They don't want that sense of vulnerability. But you, the men who read my book like that aren't reading it very closely, you know, because I make it very clear. First of all, half the book deals with women seducing men. And I want the, the, the playing field to be level. 
I want women to have as much power in that. And, and women are masters at seducing. We all know that. They're the ones that invented the art in the first place. <laughs> but also I say in, in, in the preface that you have to go at it with a kind of a playful spirit. This isn't about, it's not about using people and, ha and controlling them. It's about having kind of pleasure in your life and having this kind of back and forth dynamic. I understand that some of the, 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 the rules in the back of the book are a little bit Machiavellian. I understand that as well. And they can be quite manipulative. But I'm saying women use that as much as men do, right? But your attitude towards in, in matters of seduction, you have to kind of back off a little bit. It's not about power. It's not about winning. It's not about having the last word. It's not about dominating. It's about having some pleasure in your life, having some fun, having a degree of a back and forth, getting outside of your life and getting inside other people, you know. So the best seducers, <laughs> and certainly I'd put men in that category, the best male seducers, are able to get inside the psychology of the woman involved, right? They're able to enter their spirit and say, this is what will please her. This is what I can do for her that will like make her go, wow, he's different, etc." And I have to be honest with you, one of the best, greatest male seducers I ever met, I keep bringing him back up, was 50, is 50 Cent himself. And I heard him on the phone sometimes. You know, that guy is, he's, he just rolls off his tongue. He's so charming. <laughs> you know, he just had that, he had this, this was a celebrity he was talking at the time, I'm not going to say her name. But she was just like licking it right out of the palm of his hand, you know. Going to that candy shop, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, um, you know, and he did it to my mother. My mother, you know. <laughs> oh, Faith, you got to calm down, man. You got to calm down. You got to know when to turn off. Well, he wasn't like seducing her, but he charmed her. You know, he was like, oh, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. She's kind of afraid of him because she knows the reputation. <laughs> God, he was so nice. He was so sweet. He was so charming. So, you know, it's not about... In this area, it's not about um, your aggressiveness and conquering. I mean, there's a degree of that in any kind of seduction. I don't deny that. But you want to be giving the other person pleasure. If your whole mentality is it's just about me, you might get a little bit out of the art of seduction. You might seduce a few women, but you're not having any fun out of it. And eventually, you become a very kind of cold seducer. And the warm seducers are the ones that get further in life. Because it's not just about seducing women for sex. It's also seducing other people in the office so that they like you so that you gain power. It's seducing your employees. It's seducing the public with your marketing campaign, voters if you're running for office, etc. So these are skills that are very important. But if it's only about you and what you're getting out of it, you, you're going to reach a wall. You're going to reach limitations. Mm. No, I, I think that's beautifully said because to me, I use those tools as just for my purpose and to leave an impact on the world. If I learn these tools, I can gain more followers. I can gain more supporters. I can gain a better network. You know, I can leave a lasting impression. I can, that's somebody that can potentially sell something down the line. Those are something that you want to leave. You don't want to use the tool and make it into a weapon. You know, where you're now leaving, you look around, look behind you, you just got a path of destruction and hurt and, 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 and anger for you because you used the tool the wrong way exactly. just so you can gain 
you know, that's that's you can't do that because it's going to catch up with you, you know, eventually. That's very well put. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I, I found it really interesting the way you were phrasing seduction, because what it appeared to me is that seduction is just another way of adding value to other human beings is finding ways to be create is a is a creative way of creating a positive impact in someone else's life. And I think one of the things that I've constantly been seeing, especially when it comes to intersexual relationships and messages about it today, is it's so much of an idea where one person is either the player or another person is the played. And so, so many people really believe that in order for me to succeed in life, I have to be this Machiavellian domineering person because if not, I'm going to be getting played. So what would be your advice to young men that feel that way in relationships, in life, that if, that if they're not the, pl the, the player, if they're not the hammer, they're going to end up being the nail and they're going to be getting played, especially in romantic relationships? Well, you know, it comes back to what I was saying earlier. That reveals a kind of inner weakness. So you think you're being ultra-masculine and tough because you're dominating and you're controlling and you're the one in control. But basically, you're deathly afraid. You're like a little tiny boy, that little boy inside you. You're so afraid of someone, of being vulnerable, of letting someone else have some kind of power over you. Now, it takes some inner strength to be able to say, you know, I can be seduced. I can have that woman have some power over me. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be like a masochist, but there're going to be moments <laughs> where I open up to her because if you're never able to be vulnerable, you can't have a relationship and you can never have that kind of excitement that comes from actually falling in love with someone. So what you're going to get are these you're going to seduce because you're, you're going to seduce <laughs> because you've read the art of seduction and you know how to like play cold and do all these different things but but you're going to have what i call very thin seductions they're not going to last very long the spell isn't going to be very strong between you the woman isn't going to be that excited about you and your life is going to have is not going to have this emotional depth that would happen if you could just open yourself up you know you're never you're never going to have like a, a true kind of back and forth dynamic right and so you never first of all if your goal in life is just to have a lot of kind of quick relationships and just kind of have Tinder and just, you know, one woman after the other, which of course isn't really much seducing going on there, then fine, that's your life. But, you know, you get into your 30s and it gets to get a little bit tiring and a little bit boring and repetitive. And you might want to have a relationship that goes on a little bit longer, that's a little bit deeper, right? But you're never going to be able to do that unless you can drop some of that those defenses that you have and the fact that you can't let the other person play you for however long is a sign of inner weakness it doesn't mean that they're you're letting them play you all the time it has to go back and forth you both have to be kind of vulnerable to the other person that's what kind of creates an exciting seduction where it continually goes back and forth like that but um, you have to be able to open up to people you have to be able to open up not just to, to a woman, but also you have to open up to the world, to the public, to anything that you create. If you're a great artist, if you're a musician, you have to be have to have a degree of vulnerability in your work, right? But if you're always tough, if it's always about closing yourself off, 
you're not going to be very creative in life. You're not going to get very far in dealing with people. You'll have no social skills. So that's sort of my answer to that. Mm. Now, I mean, I love everything that you said um, because I feel like there's, like how he's been saying, there's been a message out there of you don't want to ever get played. You don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to open up. You don't want to get hurt for all these different reasons, but they missed out on so much of life, so much of love, so much of, you know, all the things that you get with being open and being vulnerable. And also I think they, they miss out on character and life development as a man. You know, if you just put, if you just want to just stop something and not experience any hurt, so you're going to just force the market to bend to your way. To me, it's, it's kind of weak, like you said. Yeah, I mean, the way you develop inner strength, the way you develop some kind of toughness, a little bit of, of a thick skin is through failure, right? If you're afraid of failure, then you're never going to start a business. You, you have an idea, but you're never going to do it. You, you want to have a relationship, but you're afraid of getting hurt, so you never do it, on and on. You think you're being strong, but in fact, you're incredibly weak because you're so fear-afraid of any kind of failure, of any kind of mistake. But having failure in your work and in your love life, it teaches you something very valuable. It makes you stronger. It develops your character in a way. So it's not just about being vulnerable and all that kind of you know, soft stuff. It's also about learning how to develop yourself on the inside, learning how to deal with rejection, learning how to deal with people, you know, making mistakes, etc. And if you're never, if you're always got to be the player, you're never going to be able to develop any of those kind of inner strengths. Mm. No, that's so good. And it goes back to what you were saying initially about this self-awareness. And, and this self-awareness is also embracing oneself um, and embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly, the flaws, embracing the pains and using the pains to, to build oneself up. But, but, the, but the, the weakness is the fear that leads to the lack of courage. And then what you begin to do is you begin to get moved by the current. And because you're being moved by the current, you end up being some caricature to quote-unquote protect yourself. And, which, and what once was that you were afraid of being um, a slave to others, now you end up being a slave to your ego. And I think that's something that unfortunately happens to a lot of guys. And that's why I love talking to you because... Too many people will try to project what they want into your books and into your literature, but your books are so much more holistic about building the entire self and not just feeding the ego and creating megalomaniacs who are just consumed with power. And I think that's just what, unfortunately, we have these extremes where you have, you know, the one group of guys who are these, you know, soft, tender pushovers. But then they go to the other extreme of trying to be these macho, egotistical megalomaniacs. And neither of those two extremes are beneficial for society. No, definitely not. Definitely not. You know, you want, you want to have a, a balance in your life. You want to be someone who's tough, who's self-reliant, who's strong, who's courageous, who can deal with stress. But you also want to be someone who can be vulnerable, who can is not afraid of failure, is not afraid of criticism and rejection. So if you go too far in either direction, you're going to be um, lopsided. You're going to be overdeveloped on one side. And you're going to have problems, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's only about being strong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're not developing anything inside. 
But if it's only about being weak and vulnerable and loving people, etc., you're going to get played left, right, and center in this world because there are people out there who are genuinely malevolent. So it's not just about always being having a flower in your hand and saying, I love everybody, because that's equally naive and that's equally stupid and it won't get you very far in life. So you can't be afraid of either one of the extremes. You have to be able to have both of them in your life. You have to kind of find a middle ground between the two and not be afraid of either side. Because quite frankly, there are a lot of men as well out there these days who only want to be that guy holding a little flower in their hand. They want to come across as the consummately sensitive man. I'm so sensitive. I, I, I'm so much of, you know, I, I'm so poetic. I understand you so perfectly. And women are kind of frankly quite, could be quite turned off by that, right? Because it seems mm -hmm. weak, right? They, yeah. they like men. They like a masculine man. They don't want this guy who's just so sweet and so nice. And men make that mistake as well. You want to be able to kind of be able to do both at the same time, and it's not impossible. No, I love it. I love it. Man, Robert, man, once again, talking to you is always such a, a benefit. I always learn so much. I gained, gained so much wisdom from this conversation. In closing, I need to know, in your new book, Daily Laws, what is your favorite meditation of all the ones that you've written in your new book? Well, they're 365, so I can't <laughs> really say what my favorite is. Just pick your birthday, Robert. Just keep it simple. <laughs> well, uh, hey, which birthday, one did you put on your birthday? Uh, my birthday is kind of a Machiavellian one. It's about like the about the narcissistic leader and how you have to be aware of it. Something like that. I didn't choose something very good mm. for my birthday. Okay, you took a little shot at Trump. <laughs> I'm comparing myself to Donald Trump, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I had him a lot in my mind when I wrote The Laws of Human Nature because that was all happening during that time. So I'm writing yeah. about narcissism and I'm seeing it right there in my face every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there's certain months that I think are really important, like the month of January. And the month of mm. December, I think, are the two that are kind of the most interesting to me. Because the month of January is all about finding yourself, your path in life, what you were meant to do, which is to me the most important thing for having a, a, a happy, fulfilled life. If you go through your 20s and 30s and 40s without any sense of what you want to do, of what you were meant to do, of what your skills are, man, that's the saddest, that's the saddest fate of all, right? So you don't, I don't want anybody to go through that. I want you when you're in your 20s to kind of figure it out. This is what I love. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to have some adventures. I'm going to seduce. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. But I kind of know where I'm going, right? Okay, so the month of January is about that, and it's extremely important. And the month of December is kind of what we're talking about, the sublime book that has uh, passages from my new book in there about kind of opening your mind to the wider world that we live in and sort of seeing things through a different perspective and not being so narrow in your in your point of view not being so locked into your phone but to be aware of just like you know the big bang theory about where human beings came from about ancient history about how people thought in the ancient world in ancient egypt and how insanely beautiful it was and what it means just to be alive. 
So I would say the month of January and December are kind of my two favorites. I love it. Beautiful. I love it. Guys, man, please be sure to read all of Robert Greene's books. Get the new book, The Daily Laws. Please be sure to reach out to Robert. Where can they find you if they want to reach out to you? Well, I still have my old website up, which we're going to change at some point, but it's still power seduction and war.com. The and is spelled out. So power seduction and war.com. And there you'll find links to all seven of my books to Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, I, love, I, love it. I know. Okay. I'm an old guy. For me to be on TikTok's a little bit weird, but yeah. I have <laughs> nah, it's all good, man. Keeping up with the time. Yeah, speaking speaking life to the next generation. So, guys, please reach out to Robert. Let him know what about the podcast and out to you. My name is Hafiz. Chris, the star of the show, baby. And we're joined by Robert Green. Hey. We're the roommates and Bro. have a great day. <laughs>